Street Epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. I did consider that after we had the conversation and I still decided that I wanted to go back to what I believe just because it made me happy. So even though I know it might not be true, it makes me happy. So I, I believe it or not necessarily believe it. I like to, whatever. I don't know what other word to use besides believe. Yeah. But. Do you remember the outsider test? And I'll, I'm going to, I'll mm-hmm. be done here in a second. Mm-hmm. This will be like my final thing. But like if somebody else came here, Let's say it's your mom. Yeah. And they were to say, well, it doesn't matter that it's not true because it makes me happy. And that's all that matters to me. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I'm going to have to sit on that one. I'm going to have to think about that one. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first thing I'd I'd like to ask you is, how did am I in there? Yeah. <laughs> cool. The first thing I'd like to ask you is, what was the takeaway? What did you? How did it affect? What were your thoughts on it in general? How did it make you feel the next day? Um, well, afterwards, I felt just kind of, um, I guess, ungrounded because I felt like. I didn't believe any of the things I used to believe. Like, I I kind of decided, like... How many beliefs changed? Not many, but one of the most... I feel like the biggest ones that changed was the law of attraction one, which I'm still confused about. about. I'm still kind of, like... I still have been toying with it in my head that I'm like, do I believe in it? Because I just feel like I've I've tried it and have had, like, weird coincidences happen Mm -hmm. that have then kind of like affirmed my belief in them. And so I've just been kind of reevaluating those experiences and then trying to figure out like, well, then what was that really happening if it wasn't the law of attraction? Hmm. And I don't really know the answer and I've been kind of confused. So I've just been kind of like, honestly not thinking about it because I just don't even know. I just don't even know anymore. Where, if you had to put yourself on the scale? Yeah. With law of attraction? Yeah. Where, and just so... uh, I'm probably at a four. A four? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I think I'm probably at a four, too. Like, I'm probably lower on the scale for a lot of other things. Yeah. I think I'm at a four because I can imagine it being the case. Right. But the reason why I can't go higher... Well, maybe I'll ask you, why can't you go higher? Because I feel like there's no way to actually prove it. Mm. Or is there any way to show that it's not there? No. Yeah. That to, <laughs> me, that to me is the what I took take away from pretty much any kind of critical evaluation of what I'm trying to, to figure out whether or not it's the case or whether or not it's true. I try to think of... 
we're, we're often looking for ways to confirm our ideas, mm-hmm. right? However, if there are no ways to disconfirm those ideas, then there are all sorts of ways we can just confirm them, right? To ourselves, yeah. to our own satisfaction. If there is no way to show that it's not true. But why, can you explain why yeah. you think it's important that we have to not confirm or prove that it's not there? Yeah. Um, imagine that it's not. Yeah. If it's not there, is there any way to show that it's not there? No, but I'm just trying to imagine. If imagine a different. Imagine a different thing. Of, yeah, yeah. It, this goes for all things that we believe to be the case, and this is the important thing. It's about what we believe to be the case, not necessarily what is, because our knowledge is trying to figure out what is, right? Mm-hmm. On us, and we can be certain or doubtful about that thing, but if there's no way to doubt it, in other words, if every test confirms it, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't that call into question the test? Uh, so I don't know. let me put it like: um, <laughs> if I have an object in my hand, here's a napkin, yeah, and uh, to me. If I let go of the napkin, it'll fall, mm-hmm. right? But criteria to make me not believe that's the case, to slide me... I'm like a, I'm at a 99.9 mm-hmm. of that it'll fall, like I'm certain, mm-hmm. right? But I have criteria to lower my confidence. Mm-hmm. And the criteria to lower my confidence, and that, that's what's keeping me at 90. If, it, if I didn't have that and like tons of evidence, but if I didn't have criteria to lower my confidence and if there was no way to show that this would fall uh-huh. then I would feel weird about being so certain that, right. it, that it will fall yeah right but because I can imagine the criteria it would take to slide me down the scale like letting go and it floating mm-hmm. or like falling up mm-hmm. those would be things that would knock me to a 90 or an 80 to the claim things fall when you drop them I'd be like 90 or 80 because I'd be like, well, some things don't fall. Some mm-hmm. things float. Mm-hmm. And then the more things I saw fall, float or fall up, right. the more the, the further I'd go down the scale that that happened all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it floats, mm-hmm. right? And that's the criteria. So to me, if there isn't criteria to change our minds, is it possible we're at a number believing in a thing that's not there? Yeah. And there's no way to show that it's not there. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, are we stuck there forever? And there's yeah. no nothing that could right. show us it isn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? Cause... Did that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Cool. It's only ranted like that a... much because you asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. So going back to my mom, should I go there? Yeah, to... I want to know how this affected you and uh, yeah, I want to know how your life has changed even by any measure. Maybe it hasn't changed very much. Maybe it's changed a lot. Maybe it's changed the way you talk to people. Yeah. Tell me the story about your mom. Yeah. So she is very religious Jewish. Right. And she refused to go to my brother's wedding because he would not get a rabbi to do the wedding. And so me and my sister... You know, it really bothered all of us um, because not only that, because we thought, okay, she's not going to go to the wedding for religious beliefs. 
Okay, she has that right. But then what we didn't realize was that she's basically just, like, disowned him and has, like, just not even talked to him. She's ignored his messages to her. Mm-hmm. Um, That's unfortunate. And so, yeah, it really bothers us. So we had, we called her, and it was a pretty awful conversation. I think my mom is, like, a classic narcissist. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it's all about her. Um and, you know... Yeah, she wanted to control someone else's wedding. Yeah, she's also a control freak. Total control freak. I mean, growing right. up with her, I felt like I was living in a dictatorship. Like, that's what <laughs> right. it felt like growing up with yeah. her. You know, like, super control freak. Um, and... And anyway, so, you know, she was going on to talk about how it's her belief and, um, you know, her... Her connection to God is her number one priority. That's the most important thing to her, more than her children. Um, And so, you know, she was kind of saying, she was like, you know, the only people that would understand me are the Orthodox Jews. The only people that would, like, understand where I'm coming from. And me and my sister, we were like, well, then why don't you practice Orthodox, like she's not hmm. Orthodox. She's Great considered question. like a Reformed Jew. Is this a question you had, or my sister, had, sister had? But it, then okay. I, I kind of went with that because I was like, that is a great question. Um, and like the reason why she didn't quite say this, but I know that the reason why she's not Orthodox is because it's very restrictive as far as like dietary things, just other kind of lifestyle changes. But not only that, they don't see women as equal um and that's probably the number one reason why she's not orthodox um but i had said i was like mom so you're not orthodox because you feel like that is just like too extreme and like restrictive for you Mm -hmm. can you maybe put yourself in your in our situation where maybe your children feel like judaism is too extreme and restrictive for us Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I used the epistemology. Well, um, yeah, well, you used a, a form of the what? communication. Right? Yeah. Epistemology right. would be talking about how she knew it. Oh, okay. But okay. you were applying, her, you were using basically an outsider test for okay. her. Okay, yeah. And so the outsider test is apply the same principle that you're using, mm-hmm. but imagine someone else is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. To conclude some other thing. Yeah. And so, then recognize that you are that person. Yeah. And then you you apply mm-hmm. the, yeah, that you can basically show that person's not being consistent yeah. or some sort of other dissonance is happening in the in the thought process. Yeah. So you helped hopefully with that. How did mm-hmm. she take it? Um, she actually, I think we kind of caught her and she was kind of like, I'm going to have to think about that. Wow. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so there was that. I'm trying to think. I mean, it was honestly just an awful conversation. I don't feel like it's, I really need to go into it for the video purposes. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you about the rest of it later. Okay. Um, well, Kind of changing the subject, but going back to my mom, because you had mentioned something that made me kind of, it reminded me of something. Like, what do you do if somebody believes the sky is green or something and there's nothing, there's no criteria that will change their mind? Like, how do you... 
So, how do you go about that? Because that's how uh, I kind of feel like my mom is. Like, she has this belief system, and there is absolutely nothing that will change her mind. Yeah. So, epistemology is the study of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. How how we assess what it is we... Uh, how, how we came to our conclusion. How, mm-hmm. how we got there. Um, so... First, you have to get clear with what it is she's talking about in such a way that she absolutely fervently agrees that you understand her, mm-hmm. right? And then once you show that you understand her fully, then you ask her, um, it, the, the scale isn't mandatory or anything, but damn, it's helpful because mm-hmm. it helps you track your progress. Mm-hmm. When you started at um, 60 or something for law of attraction that'll the only reason why that's there is to ask how you would slide on the scale to get anyone to think about their thought process and how to move on the scale Mm -hmm. and to track progress at the end where what number are you now and how how long ago was our last interview like a month and a half Mm -hmm. something like that so you had plenty of time to think about it and now i have i can track a four and I'm like, oh, wow, that was helpful in resolving the difference. Because mm-hmm. I think you and I are both at four, yeah. probably, for that belief. Mm-hmm. So it's resolved between us. Yeah. And we now understand each other and where we're at. Mm-hmm. So the same method. How did she arrive to where she's at? And maybe she's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe she is right. Maybe she's got some pathway to figuring out what's true that is reliable. And so what? ask her where, what number she's at. If she's at a 60 for her belief, or maybe she's higher, maybe she's 90, right? Mm-hmm. If she's fervent about it, mm-hmm. she might be at a 90, very convicted, mm-hmm. right? Maybe she's at a 100. Because mm-hmm. I've heard some people say that they can't even envision their idea not being the case, mm-hmm. meaning they're so ingrained in the idea they can't possibly imagine the opposite. Yeah. And if it's that ingrained, you might want to focus on wondering with, with this person what it would be to have their mind be at the other end. So if I ever ever meet somebody with a deeply ingrained belief like that, I say, what would it take uh, if you were at a 10? If I could just make you be at a 10 right now, I know it's a weird question, but can you imagine what your mind would be like if you no longer held on to the idea anymore? And that's I feel an like important... a lot of people are probably threatened by that question because that alone, the like the only... doubt is the whatever. only way to, to, to get yeah. even. Because otherwise, if they can't, if they haven't yet even imagined that it's not there, then I'm not about to jump straight into the epistemology of how they can know it. Mm-hmm. Because there's a couple of problems. One, maybe it might be futile to ask them how they know it, if they've already admitted there is no way to know it to themselves. Right. As a matter of fact, they think it's true not because of any reasons, but because they've convinced themselves that not having reasons is okay. Or not having reasons or just believing hard enough is what makes it true. Well, I think she also feels like God has answered her prayers. Like, mm-hmm. she prays a lot, and, like, she feels like her God answers her prayers, and I think she feels a close connection and dialogue to God, and so that's how she knows that that is the path. I have a wobbly table here. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, wait, so how, how does she know it's the right path? 
Because she's she prays and her prayers come true. And oh. so Yeah, so that's that's tough because that person it sounds like anecdotal evidence is acceptable to um so I, I would I would wonder again has to be the focus. So I would focus on first what her mind would be like if it no longer held the idea. And second, I would I would also just really be clear, all of my interviews are consensual, mm-hmm. right? So I always say, is it okay if I ask you questions to better understand you? And if through this process you no longer are as convinced, is that okay? Like, can I even have this talk with you right now? Those things make people open up more mm-hmm. to talking if they're mm-hmm. going to talk. And yeah. if they're not going to talk then it's good to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she probably, I don't think she would even want to, I don't know. I don't know how she would act. Sometimes just talking about reality and the cosmos and um, things that you do share is a great way to get the ball rolling on a thing like that when the person can lower their guard. If you're, like, talking about things about, like, I, I am a big astronomy buff, so I love to just talk about space and stars and how many... You know, there's like a 150 or to 250 or so billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy or something like that, right? And I could just like go on like 225 million years mm-hmm. is a galactic year. Mm-hmm. It's the time for our sun to go around. Like I could just like just go on that and like talk about those sorts of things. And then if it happens to come up and they start talking about God or whatever, then say, that's really interesting. I'd like to know more. Are you okay if I talk to you more about it? And then... Are you okay if uh, if I figure out the methods you used to determine what it is you know? Because if what you think is true, I'd like to know it too. Right. If you put it like that, like, I'm open, I want to know what you know. If what you know is true, I want to be a part of it. Because well, I want I to have like true thoughts. I feel like she would probably be like, well, you need to study the Torah and go to temple. Then, then the like... next question is why did you how did you conclude the torah is a reliable way to know what's true mm-hmm. yeah and if she, what, what do you think she would say to that i'm not really sure yeah. um i feel i remember when i was younger i feel like she's gotten a lot more religious as she's gotten older mm-hmm. and i remember when i was younger she had told me she was like i don't know what i believe as far as god like she's Jewish because she's from Israel, it's her tradition. Sometimes just drilling down what the claim is is a great way yeah. to make the number slide. You yeah. might not even need to go into why or how. If you just drill what over and over and over again and what it is. To her, I repeat think... repeat back what she's saying each time. To her, I think the most important thing is continuing the Jewish race. And for her Jewish children to marry Jewish children and for them to have Jewish children. That is like her number one goal in life. Like, and she kind of failed at that. So, you know, like, and then, you know, because we're not marrying Jewish people, she's like, well, I at least want you to get married by a rabbi. And then, okay, if you have a son, I want you, him to at least be circumcised by a mohel. And like, she wants these things to keep it as close to Judaism as she can. Um, and why she thinks that, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, why, 
honestly, ironically, I feel like it sounds like racist to me. It's like you want to keep it's like it sounds like the Aryan race. Like you want to keep your race alive because what you think you're the chosen people or something or I don't know why. Yeah. But it, it it's that's the irony of it to me. <laughs> yeah. Then I would just keep focusing focus on the questions. Focus on the questions and focus on what what questions would need to have a satisfying answer to for you to believe her. So in order for you to be to to draw yourself to her yeah. understanding. But it's all probably based struggle, on her experiences, probably. Then, then the epistemology of, is it possible to be certain of something yet still be mistaken? Mm. Is, it, is it possible to have an experience and be wrong? Is it, can a person, mm -hmm. can, and you can, if they can't, if they say no, say, can, can you imagine another idea out there that makes people behave in different ways? And like you, you can you can think for of an example in your own head and see if they'll pick the same example or a different example. So like right now, I'm thinking of um, uh, people who speak in tongues, mm -hmm. specifically in the name of their one very specific sect of mm -hmm. religions ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And you can say, are people actually channeling a language from God doing that? or channeling language from the spirits, or whatever they happen to be talking about, right? But hopefully you have her pick an example. It's not ever really a, the best idea to pick. I, so I have picked examples in my own interviews, but they don't tend to be as effective mm -hmm. as if I ask instead, even more meta, I say, can you imagine a group of people who are concluding something and misattributing what's really going on well the interesting thing too is i remember when i was younger i had i had asked her i was like what if you were born christian exactly and she was she said she's like then i would be christian so then i was like so then it doesn't even matter so if the, you're jewish so or yeah. not. like right it, and that's your conclusion right but you have if you say that to her her defenses are already up yeah so instead how do you say that in question form Say that last thing you just said I guess, in a question. Then form. how would you know? I just feel like how how can you follow a religion so strictly if you if it it didn't matter which religion so focus you were on born the to. path the pathway to discover what's true. So my question would be. But that's the thing. She doesn't need a path. It's whatever she was born into right. is what she that's would follow. That's what we're trying to get her to focus on. Yeah. So, right? So my question would be, is being born under a religion a reliable way to know the religion is true? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Focus on the truth of it, always. Right. The, the focus is whether or not it's true. Right? right. And if she says, I know it because I was raised in it, then say... Is no is being raised in it a good way to know it? Just take it and flip it, right? And then it, she'll answer. Hopefully, if she's being honest, that it's not because it, you can you can you can ask because if she's saying knowing being born into it is a, a way to know it, then you can just simply ask if you were born in India, would you be a Hindu? And does that make 
the Hindus in India believing in a true thing? Like, can can both of you be right? I think what it is is <laughs> it whatever like she wants to keep the culture alive, whatever culture it is she was born into. I think she feels there like, are a lot of emotional attachments involved. It seems so. Yeah. Whenever somebody is deeply ingrained, it's good to just keep the focus on wonder for the most part, mm-hmm. and a, a light dash of epistemology of how she could know it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't push too hard, mm-hmm. too quick, uh, especially if you ask if you were at a ten instead of at a ninety-nine. How would your life be different? And if she said like I'd be. I, it would just be the worst, like, life wouldn't be worth living, like, all these bad things, then, before you can question her epistemology, you got to ask her, why? Why would life be bad? Can people, can people go on just fine without this idea and have it not affect their life in a negative way? Mm-hmm. Or, or another way to put it is, what's the second best way to be happy so in other words, if you're not going to be happy because you have the because you'll lose this idea, then what's the second best way to be happy? Ask about w- what happiness means. Focus on that. Make the focus on wondering what it's like to not be convinced it's the case, rather than trying to ask her how she could know it. Um, just in the beginning, because um, it's like just jumping in too quick. You kind of want to like. Get the, I feel like get the she wouldn't prepared. even want to entertain the idea of. Yeah, if she's not, yeah. if she's not wanting a belief yeah. intervention. Yeah, which she's then not. Then I would not, she's not impose but, it. Yeah. However, if you were to just say, "Hey, mom, we don't get along sometimes because we have a differences difference in beliefs, and I'd like to have a discussion to better understand you, in order to make the differences between us mm-hmm. um, less of a problem." So that way, when there's a my wedding is coming up, right? <laughs> there's not this huge battle about what my wedding is going to be like because I want you to be there without it being a, a problem or an issue, and you probably don't want her to be there. But like, if you did, maybe no. Maybe... I'm not shaking my head because of that. I'm shaking my head because she, if I didn't do what she wanted, she will not be there. Yeah. So I'm not in any place <laughs> yeah. to really give lots of advice, right. but I do give advice on how to do street epistemology. So if yeah. there's an opportunity to do it. I'd say make sure that there's consent. And also another thing to really focus on, and I'm not the best at doing it, I try to be, is um, when you are um, drawing yourself to someone else's beliefs and or intervening with, intervening with theirs, it's best to always maintain consent throughout. Yeah. So I usually say like every 10 minutes or so or less, to just, again, be like, how, how, how's the conversation going? You doing okay? You ready to go to the next one? Because if you don't do that, um, people tend to feel a little claustrophobic, mm-hmm. especially because if you're just asking questions and not standing on something for yourself, then yeah. people kind of feel like, well, some people don't even notice because they love being asked questions. Um, but... Uh, yeah. What do you think would be a good question to kind of ask her? Because the main thing is, honestly, I don't care what her religious beliefs are, but what bothers me is the fact that she's kind of disowning her own son because of it. When my brother, like, to give you a little background, he's a firefighter. He just married a woman that 
has three kids that just lost their dad, so he's, like, stepping up as a father figure. Like, he's such, like, a wonderful human being. And I was like, if you're going to disown anyone, it should be me because I used to strip. I almost died in Peru. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm the fuck up, not Michael. Like, he's, like, kind of a pillar of, you know, humanity. Like, he's such a great guy. So that's what really bothers me. And so I don't know how to kind of address that, that it's like, okay, you chose not to go to to the wedding, but why is it now that you, this is like destroying the relationship? I know you can't, you're not supposed to give me advice. But I don't know what kind of questions to ask to kind of get there or. Yeah. How do you bring up a, a right. belief intervention? Basically. How do you, how do you intervene in someone's beliefs without it? Is that kind of the. Or it's just, I want to know what the barrier is to her. Like why she can't respect her religious beliefs which she did by not going to the wedding but why she feels like being in his in his life is disrespecting her religious beliefs i'm trying to understand that Hmm. there might be some other thing going on yeah that's unrelated to all this right so it could be that Mm -hmm. ask if there is something unrelated to the religious beliefs i would start there is there something unrelated to your ideas about God to be the reason why you didn't go to the wedding? Was there some other thing? Or was it entirely because of God? Entirely because of who he's marrying, right? And if there's something else, right, then I would say if there is something else, if you didn't have that reason in your mind, would you have gone to the wedding? And if the answer is no, then it's then you have to ask again, well, then what is the main reason you didn't go? Mm-hmm. Was it because of the God thing or was it something else? And keep, I think some it's people... probably, honestly, because she's a control freak, but I don't think she would actually admit to it. And I think by my brother not following mm. what she wants, it's like her way of punishing him. It's a, it's... That's what I feel, but I don't know for sure. That's just my guess. Yeah, so some people are not aware of their behavior mm-hmm, in that way. Right, which I don't think and she is. You might not you you can you might spend a lot of effort intervening and not getting any benefit out of it at all. Well, that's what I felt like that whole conversation Though, was, yeah. <laughs> it's like if you love your mom, you know, mm-hmm. and you want to make if you want to help her. If it if if you have the right intention, mm-hmm. I'd say ask anyway even if it's futile like go ahead and try and figure out what the reasons are for why she didn't really go to the wedding yeah and what what it would have taken to well it's not even it's not even about the wedding anymore it's like okay if she claims that the reason why is because of religious belief so if that is the case i just don't understand like like (sighs) say okay to make to put that to the test Mm -hmm. though ask her if it wasn't if you had no religious beliefs at all, would you have then gone to the wedding? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then that might be the reason. Yeah. And then you can say, I would like to talk to you to better understand you about the religious belief. Yeah. And how you and how you determine that it's true. I just feel like I'm not good enough at doing what you're doing to right. like really have that conversation so, with her. I it's only because I've practiced a lot. Yeah. So 
um, practice with your the, the the friend with the tattoo and go in there go in there with okay. an open mind and maybe go in there with an open mind and think of the criteria you would need to 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 the criteria you would accept to move on your scale up and down mm-hmm. come up with ideas of what your criteria are and then ask the, him to do the same once you've practiced that mm-hmm. If you change, then great. You've just benefited yourself, and now you know more true things. Or now you now right. have better reasoning. Right? I think that what's hard for me is sometimes I'll be, I'll be, I won't know what the criteria will be to change. But then when you give examples, I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely that. But it's, like, hard for me to generate those on my own. Another way to do it is to watch other people do street epistemology interviews mm-hmm. online. Have you tried that yet, by the way? After you did it to me, I did watch a couple of them. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think? Um, it was really interesting, and I was kind of, like, still baffled. Like, how could I do this? Like, I still don't know. Like, it was just... Anyone still, can learn it. I know. I guess I, I just... I don't know if I need a book with, like step by step or what but just watching it i felt like how it to, wasn't how enough. to have how to have impossible conversations yeah so name of the book oh that's a book okay i'm gonna write it down yeah how to have impossible conversations yeah there's another one called a manual for creating atheists uh that's about the epistemology mainly how to have impossible conversations is a more comprehensive look at all sorts of um Ideas and thinking about things and critical thinking. Apply critical thinking. Say it again because I wrote the other one first. How Uh, to how to have how to have impossible conversations. That's right. Okay. It's a a good one. Yeah, I actually met the author at the gym last last week. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Well, for the second time, I bumped into him at the same gym. So he's local. Yeah, he's a, a professor at Portland State University. Oh. Okay. Yeah, he teaches ethics and oh. uh, and epistemology and oh, cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and that's what turned honestly what turned me on to street epistemology. I, ca- I came across it by accident on YouTube. Uh huh. Um, because I'm a political science graduate, right? And I've been an advocate for this or that my whole life. Yeah. But I've always found it kind of futile to battle with people who fundamentally look at the at reality differently than mm-hmm. me. And I've been aware mm-hmm. of this difference my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even succumbed to it myself, believing in lots of really weird, crazy things for a brief spat and then coming out of it uh-huh. and looking at myself like, Oh wow, that's what it's like to think that way. Yeah. So like, I feel deep empathy uh-huh. <laughs> for people with far out ideas. Um, and then it wasn't until um, I was at Portland's. Yeah, I I was at Portland Community College for a little while before I transferred to U of O, and um, there was somebody I knew from my high school tabling, and she was tabling for. Um, a constitutional amendment banning uh, same-sex marriage, and I and my, I knew nothing really about that position because this was like a long time ago. I was pretty young, and also just wasn't really. I was mostly a I was a philosophy st- student, and then I switched to psychology, and then I switched to political science. But I hadn't been political science mm-hmm. yet. I was mostly just curious why they would think that, and I probably 
didn't believe them at all, like, going into it a little. But it was mostly, like, I was practicing what I'm practicing now. Mm -hmm. Like, didn't even know I was doing it. Or I was just like, maybe they're right. Let's ask them. Yeah. And so I just asked. And then I asked how they could know this and how they could know that. And then it all came down to um, their religious faith. Yeah. And then I, I asked them if that was a, like, a good reason to be telling other people what to do. Uh, I, I didn't get good at the yeah, epistemology yeah. then. I was mostly appealing to values mm-hmm. with them, which is different than appealing to truth. We can appeal to values all day long, but if their values are different, that's not going to resolve anything. Right. Unless our values are the same, that's how values can resolve mm-hmm. things, right? Um, so through that, I switched to political science, and then I was like, how do I be an advocate for stuff when people... When no one's listening to each other? Mm-hmm. Um, am I just going to try to preach at the people who are already on my side? Right. And that's kind of what's happened with our political world. Everything is siloed. Siloed mm-hmm. thinking. And um, when I saw this approach, I was like, holy crap, this is what everyone should be doing with each other as a non-violent, non-combative way to understand each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not about having the right conclusions. I might say a ton of conclusions on my, on, you know, in my interviews that are not true. Uh, but it's about the way those conclusions are, how we arrive to those mm-hmm. conclusions. Yeah. And just keeping the focus on the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know that it, um, that it made a shift within you in such a way that it didn't ruin our friendship. <laughs> Yeah, no, it didn't ruin our friendship. Yeah. And I can see how it's making me kind of think a little in a different way, like kind of doing that outsider question with my mom. Like, you know, it was, that was like kind of the first time where I was like, oh, I've noticed that like it just slipped in, you know. Any other things for me to take away from? Like anything that, did anything else shift other than the thing that we talked? One thing that would be really neat is if, was there some other thing unrelated to the law of attraction that you also began to question because of the epistemology we went over? You don't well, have to say yes to that. For a while, okay, like I I guess I, I, I have my own connection to the universe that I create, which I, I had shared I could totally be delusional. It's literally just me like talking to the universe and like, saying an answer and mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, but it like makes me happy and I like having that connection. It makes me, you know, whatever, feel connected to a higher power. Um, and so I was questioning that like after our conversation, like I was questioning that a lot, but honestly, it just, it felt like, Regardless if it's true or not, it feels good to me. It makes me happy. It, and because otherwise I felt, I felt very ungrounded. Like I had, like I wasn't standing on anything or I felt kind of like I was just floating. Um, and so there's that. What was the idea that? Just, it's, it's not even an idea. It's just a more of like a, just a feeling or connection to my god or energy or whatever 
it's like my own practice of spirituality that I do with myself. Okay. What kind of connection is it? What? Well, like I said, it's literally just me like talking to the universe and then creating an answer. How does that work? Is it like, is like it... it'll be like, it'll, it'll just be like, it'll just like a voice or my own voice will just pop in and then that's the answer. It's like an intuition thing. It's like, you know, if you like, you know, have to like pick between like right or left or something, you just like pick one. And it's just kind of like, that's kind of how it is. It's like, I just, I well, sometimes you have to answer things that way. Like he can't right. really dally all day about yeah. every decision. I don't know. It'll all like, you know, talk to the universe and I feel like I, I, I get an answer back and, you know, Is the I don't... answer back you? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I don't even think it matters because, okay, here's another one. I used to believe. I think it's fine to talk yeah. to ourselves. We all, we all kind of I, talk to ourselves. It's I, kind of healthy to do that, I think. But okay, are you another saying... belief I have is that, like, I am God. We are all God. Uh-huh. Um, and that we're all one as well. So, I don't know. You can epistemology me that. Well, I would drill down <laughs> what you mean before I ask you how you know it first. I guess I don't really know anything for sure, and I'm aware of that. Okay. Is... It's more like I've read books that it just resonated with me, and it, it made sense to me um, that the same breath I breathe, that everyone breathes, that's like the life force. How are you that... using the word God in this? It's just like an energy. Like a, like a, what kind of energy? I don't know. I don't even think it matters. To me. It doesn't matter to me what kind of energy it is. Is it material energy or non-material energy? Is it energy energy we can measure? Or are you talking about some other kind of energy that we cannot measure? Um, I think there's like different dimensions of energy. So like, like I said, I, I believe we are God. So in that sense, that's measurable. But then there's that other realm that I feel like is not measurable. Another realm... Of energy that's God. Okay. Because I think it's all God. All the... So if everything is God, including something we don't, we can't access or have any access to, what isn't God? Is there anything that's not God? No. Okay. So why... So is the word everything synonymous with the word God? It can be. Okay. Why use the word God then? It doesn't have to be God. It's just like that's the most like mainstream word. It could be energy. It could be higher power. I don't know. Why not just say everything that I can see or everything that I can't see? Because we use everything in everyday life all the time. So it doesn't have that kind of like connotation to it, I feel like. Hmm. Uh, And you're prescribing a con and, and the idea is here that we're prescribing a connotation to everything. Why? Um, wait, what, you're asking why we're putting a connotation to everything? If, if God and everything... I don't know, because it makes it feel like there's more meaning. It just I feel like the light, life is just weird and confusing, and it, it feels... It sounds like it's a loosely held belief, not it like is, a very strong. No, one. it's not a very it's, strong belief. 
Yeah. If that's the case, I'll leave you with this idea. Have you ever heard the phrase spraying perfume on the li- spraying perfume on the lily? Uh-uh. Do you know what uh can you imagine what that saying is trying to convey? Is it kind of like you're trying to put words to something that you Well, the, the analogy is perfume on a lily. Right, like you're putting a fragrance on something that doesn't need a fragrance. It's already, it already smells great. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to use that towards what I'm saying. Are you? Is it like? Well, I'm asking, I guess. Is is that what you're doing? Um, I guess so. But I, I guess maybe it's like, you know, we don't really smell the lily too much, so we need to put the perfume on yeah. it. <laughs> it needs a little extra spice. Yeah. 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 Um. Okay. But it doesn't sound like you're making... Uh, it's kind of weird because I don't know if there's really anything for me to challenge since it doesn't seem like there's a, a claim really here, but it's more of like an idea that you like to think. It's an that idea that I feel God. like feels right to me. I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it feels good, so I believe it. Oh. Are feelings a reliable way to know truth No, they're is? not. Hmm. Do you want the criteria in your mind to match reality? I don't know. I don't want to go into it anymore. I'm honestly kind of tired. Okay, and... yeah, you were pretty tired before we started. Yeah. And thanks for dinner, too, by the way. Yeah. It's very nice <laughs> but, yeah, consider consider that. And I would just say, like... But, see, that's the thing is I did consider that after we had the conversation. And I still decided that I wanted to go back to what I believe just because it made me happy. So, even though I know it might not be true... It makes me happy, so I I believe it. Or not necessarily believe it, I like to, whatever. I don't know what other word to use besides believe. Yeah. But. Do you remember the outsider test? And I'll, I'm going to, I'll mm-hmm. be done here in a second. Mm-hmm. This will be like my final thing. But like, if somebody else came here, let's say it's your mom. Yeah. And they were to say, well, it doesn't matter that it's not true because it makes me happy. And that's all that matters to me. sit on that one and okay. have to think about yeah. that one that's fine yeah yeah i i love these talks and love um co- conversing with you either way whether or not we do the interview or not it's yeah. always good to see you and, and <laughs> chat so yeah. yeah think about that stuff and i just say like think about the outsider test think about um what would it ch- take to slide you on the scale and and number one be open to having your your beliefs revised yeah. All the time while you're asking the questions. Okay. And the questions are to make me believe you. Mm-hmm. If you were to say, yeah, it's totally cool if somebody else does this mm-hmm. under all circumstances, and then you were somehow able to demonstrate why that is and why that works and why that leads you to true things, mm-hmm. then I'd be like, persuaded, and I'd move over. Yeah. Yeah. And so asking questions that would make you believe what they believe is the key, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for talking to me again. Thanks. Do you have any questions for me before? Not right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.
The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization. 